This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you here. God bless all of you. If you're watching by live stream, we are glad to have you here. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up really, really high, and our ushers would gladly put the Word of God in your hand. And then we will begin in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Uh, we're on our last Sunday here on this area called the fast, and let me fill in some blanks on there. You know, I know a lot of people fasted and prayed for things in the month of January, but part of the issue, again, is if we have things in our life that we haven't dealt with in a biblical way, we can fast and pray all we want, but we get stuck in that. And so if we go back to the beginning, part of that is unforgiveness, the root of bitterness, uh, if I can't love myself, it's hard to forgive myself. And today, we're going to highlight another one that I believe is very significant within the body of Christ, is a thing called guilt and shame. That many times we have the thought, God would never do this with me because of the events of my life. And so I believe the Word of God is going to impact us today. It's going to help you. It's going to set you free today. So we begin in Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, Jesus, he, he spoke these exact words in Luke 4, exactly what the prophet Isaiah said. And he said, because, because. Now, there's a because factor, because the Lord has anointed me. The, the word anoint means he's, he's consecrated me. He's, he's purified me. He's set me apart. I'm just going to highlight this just a little bit. When you see the, the word anointing, I believe it's the touch of God upon your life to fulfill callings. And the reason I want to touch on it just a little bit, we will start in the month of February next Sunday on the area of the anointing, the area of the touch of God upon your life. And it's going to shift in every way where we've been right now to who you are in Christ Jesus. So don't miss this. But again, he says right here, because the Lord has anointed me. Now, watch the areas the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to, to preach the word of God to the afflicted. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, would brokenhearted, would that define you right now? Because I believe, again, there's an anointing today that'll heal the brokenhearted. He goes on to say, to proclaim liberty or freedom to those who are captives or those who have been held in captivity in some way. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound, those who have become prisoners of war to some event in their life. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I like this one because it, it literally says to announce the year of his grace. So these are things God's wanting to do. I don't know about you. I welcome the year of God's grace. I thank you, Father God. If it's the year of grace, go ahead and pour that on me. And the day of vengeance of our God. Now, he doesn't say the day of vengeance for myself. He says the day of vengeance of my God. Vengeance is God's. But he says in this, in this passage, it'll be a day where God's vengeance is going to go forward. It's going to happen to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, 
to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, heaviness can be a, a form of just the things of life begin to weigh you down. The spirit of heaviness can be a form of depression. And if you notice what he said there, put on the garment of praise. A choice that I'm going to have to put on that garment. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He goes on to say that they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations or destruction. They shall repair the, the ruined cities. And if you note there, he gave three R's. Rebuild, raise up, and repair. Do you know one translation says, revive? That our God is still in the reviving business. The desolations, the devastations of many generations... Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the foreigners shall be plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named among the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Now, I really picked up the pace there reading verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. But I want you to hone in here on verse 7, okay? Pay close attention here. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of living a life of shame, instead of dishonor, he literally said here, double honor. Now, off the very first statements there, instead of your shame, is there shame in your life right now that's tried to define you? Is there shame in your life that's caused you to hide? Is there shame in your life that makes you feel like, I, I live in a dead-end street. I, I'm never going to get out of this because of the shame of my life. But isn't it interesting that God says, but I'm going to give you double or honor, or better stated, I'm going to give you double for all your trouble. I'm going to reverse some things. And instead of confusion... They shall rejoice in their portion, that God has a portion for you. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. An everlasting joy shall be theirs. Now, this is an incredible promise that, that the Lord is saying here. You know, he, he wants to give us double. Double for our hurts, double for our pains, double for our shames. He wants to move us out of every bit of that. And literally, when I read this, he's telling us, this doesn't have to be your identity. You don't have to get caught up in this. Now, turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 8. John, chapter 8. And to help you where I'm going with all this, I'm going to take you. You're going to John 8. I'm going to take you back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. And I'm going to paraphrase all this, but we go back to Genesis 3, and you know that's the setting of Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And Father God says to him, he says, you can eat of everything in the garden but from that one tree. And the day you eat of that one tree, your life's going to get turned upside down if you do it. 
So when you see that he put this tree in there, it becomes an exercise of our self-will. That within humanity, every one of us in here, God gave us the ability to choose. He didn't make us robots. He made us free will beings that we can express ourselves. And sometimes the way we express is through our choices. But what happens in this thing called life, we either do it God's way and there's a blessing, or we do it man's way. And when I get over and I do it man's way, man, I, I make a mess of me. My life becomes horrible. So God warns Adam and Eve and he says, don't do it. But we know they did what God told them not to do. Now I want you to, to follow what happens when we do it our way instead of God's. The Bible said that immediately they put on fig leaves. Why did they do that? Because there was a thing called embarrassment that came upon them. They had never experienced embarrassment in their life. And so the result of their choices brought embarrassment instead of peace and joy. And then we go to the next area and it said they hid themselves. You know why they hid themselves? Because of a thing called shame. And what I find out but, but, uh, this thing called shame, it makes it appear like we have this disease on us. That it's like no one wants to get near me because I reek with shame. Embarrassment to shame, and shame ultimately leads to blame. But shame doesn't have to be the end of the story. Shame doesn't have to, to be that dead end, okay? And so I'm going to take us through some passages of Scripture here that, that I believe that will help us understand where shame comes from, where embarrassment comes from. John chapter 8, verse 1. But the Lord Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, remember these guys, the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders. They were bound by religion. And when I say that, it was like they were better than everybody else. So the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the adultery in the very act. She was caught red-handed. Now, I want you to get a glimpse of what this looks like today, okay? So Jesus is in the house of God here preaching the word this morning. And he's preaching hard. And all of a sudden, these doors open. And in come the religious. And they bring in this woman who was 
caught in adultery, and the Bible says caught in the very act of adultery. And they think it's her job to put her right in the midst of all of us. Now, when I read that, I have the thought, that would really make you want to go to that church, wouldn't it? But again, they thought it was their job. And when you read that she was caught in the very act, there's a commentary that highlights because she was caught in the very act, she had very little clothing on. Now, how would any of us like for us to be paraded in here? How would I like to come and stand before you and have everybody else broadcast all my sins? I don't believe when this happened, this lady was standing there smiling like, yes, oh, happy day, not. I think about this, I, I believe she was so shamed and guilted that she was probably slumped over. Couldn't look upon a person. And again, that's, that's the effects of shame and embarrassment. And it's not our job as human beings to shame and embarrass other people because the devil does a good enough job in doing it. Let's see what we can learn from this passage. Verse number five. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. So now they're using the word of God to build a case against this woman. But what do you say? This they said, testing Jesus, that they may have something which to accuse him. They wanted to go after Jesus. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his fingers as though he did not hear. So this woman's still standing in the midst. And Jesus is writing in the sand. And I don't think he's just scribbling or doodling. I don't believe he's playing dots or tic-tac-toe. There's purpose in this, okay? Keep reading. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Wow. The identity of shame upon people. If you've never done anything wrong, go ahead and throw the stone first. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Now, I've taught on this before and I've said this before that I, I really believe at times he wrote on the ground and I'm gonna use small names because they're easier for me to spell. And if I spell your name, I'm not throwing a stone at you, okay? But he wrote, Bob, B-O-B, -B, liar, Joe, J-O-E, thief. I said this many times, but I believe I was wrong in what I said. And the area I was wrong about this I don't believe Jesus wrote any person's name at all. You know why I think that now? 
Because Jesus wasn't in the business of smearing people. Jesus wasn't in the business of humiliating people. But I do believe he did write in the sand, T-H-I-E-F. I do believe he wrote L-I-A-R. I do believe he wrote in there, P-R-I-D-E. And he allowed those things that he wrote to convict our hearts. Now watch what goes on here. Verse 9. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. Being convicted by their conscience. That's a good thing. Do you know the Lord Jesus said in John 16, 8, that the job of the Holy Spirit was to convict of sin. And so what goes on here is when my heart becomes convicted, it leads me to repent. I know that I'm wrong. It's like if you've ever stole anything and right after you stole it, there's something that starts stabbing your heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not to beat me up, but to get me to a place of repentance. And this is what happens right here. And so as this takes place, they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst, she's still standing. She's still right here. Now watch what takes place. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you has no one convicted you is there anyone left here to throw a stone no but it's interesting the Lord Jesus says has no one condemned you Romans 8 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus Romans 8 2 says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So when condemnation starts coming at you, the author of condemnation is the devil. The author of conviction is the Holy Spirit. There's a huge difference. Conviction leads me to repentance. Condemnation is like a ball ping hammer that whacks me over the head day by day by day that shames me and guilts me and embarrasses me. Huge difference. When there is condemnation coming on you, remember, that's the devil. That's the cologne he wears. It's called leave me alone cologne. Verse 11. She said, no one Lord. Now I want you to highlight right, right here. A woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery, who was shamed, embarrassed, beat up. She says, no one, Lord. 
This woman at this time, because of the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord, becomes her Savior. And when she said, no one Lord, that word or that statement, that phrase, is a personal pronoun. Now, if you'll notice in there, when she says, no one, Lord, Jesus didn't say, don't you dare call me Lord. Do you realize all the junk you've done? No, no, no. Watch what Jesus says here. When she said, no one, Lord. And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. You know what this literally means here? Today can be a new day. That you don't have to be a prisoner of war. You don't have to be a prisoner of shame and guilt and condemnation and embarrassment. But notice how Jesus ends. And he said, go and sin as much as you want. No. He said, go and sin no more. You know why? Because he knows the wages of sin is death. But the other side of that is because of her sin, it did not disqualify her from being a daughter of God. And it doesn't disqualify you, and it doesn't disqualify me. If your life is filled with shame and guilt right now, turn with me to Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. I'm going to give you an, a, little, a little taste of what goes on in the heavens. What's going on in the spirit realm. Ooh, get ready. In a good way, get ready. The word of God is going to set you free today. The Lord Jesus is going to move here, okay, where you don't have to live that way. Revelations 12, verse 9. Now, before I start in verse 9, every one of these phrases that I'm going to read describes the devil, okay? So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. Remember, he was the serpent in the Garden of Eden way, way back. Called the devil and Satan, listen to this, who deceives the whole world. He deceives the whole world. He's a liar, he's a thief, all the above. He deceives the whole world, and he was cast to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, when he was cast to the earth, it tells us where he was assigned to. Father God gave him the boot out of heaven. The devil was placed right here on earth. He's going to be here on earth until Jesus comes back. And it says his angels were cast with him. These were the third of the demons. A third of them got cast here on earth with him. That's the bad news. The good news is two-thirds of them are still with us, okay? But if the devil is assigned to this place called earth, which just, just says this, then we better get to the place where we understand how to deal with him in a biblical way. So here he is, and we pick up to verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. Salvation, power, and the authority are now set in place. Now, it's a done deal. If they're set in place, 
we got to understand how to operate in salvation, power, and authority. Now, this is where it gets good. For the accuser of our brethren, the accuser, the one that brings a lawsuit, the one that files charges before God, the accuser of the brethren, That's the devil. And he tries to bring cases against every one of us in here if you're born again. And when does he do this? Keep reading. Who accused them before our God night and day. So day by day, night by night, the devil is going before God and he begins to tell God, all your resume. He tells God all of your acts of sin, all of your disobedience, and he says this, that they've done this, 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 this. Eddie Williams has done this, 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 and this. That's why it's so important to be a person that repents of our sin. The only way your sin is forgiven is for me to confess it, and God would forgive it and cleanse it. That's the power of this. Let, let, me, let me tell you a little bit here, just real quick. Let me interject this. I'm reading a passage of, of, of a book right now. And a woman who was a great woman of God, a woman named Catherine Kuhlman, she'd gotten to an area of sin in her life. She recognized sin in her life. But there was a person who thought it was his job to tell everybody what her past was, to smear her, to shame her. And this guy one day says to her, I, I don't know basically who you think you are. I don't think you understand what all you've done. That maybe you ought to begin to tell people everything you've done and the truth would come out. And her response was to him, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin before God, he's faithful and just to not only forgive me, but he said he'd cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And she said to this man, I've confessed my sin, and because I've confessed my sin, God has forgiven me, and when God forgives you, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, so I'm forgiven. What would happen if we begin to live that way? Instead of thinking we got to earn the things of God, instead of just saying, Father God, I receive my forgiveness today. And then he comes back and he says, not only have they done this, this, and this, he said, and they've done that, 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 that. And he says to Father God, Father God, you know in your word, you can't forgive them until they forgive other people. They haven't forgiven other people. That's why it's important to be a person of repentance and a person of forgiveness. It silences all his accusations because now there's nothing left in my folder. So he accuses the brethren day and night. So now we come into a, a court hearing and me and you are on trial and the devil is the, the prosecutor 
And again, he goes before God and he yaks and he yaks and, yaks and he's got all your records. He's got everything you've ever done. And he's saying this about us and that. He's the accuser of the brethren. And then the great judge, our heavenly father, he says, how do you plea? You got to enter a plea. How do you plea? And I say, your honor, I plead the blood of Jesus. Revelations 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's the only way we overcome. I plead the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus speaks to this day. The blood of Jesus says mercy, that they don't get what they deserve. And the blood of Jesus silences every one of his accusations. And so it goes back to blood cleanses me, the blood washes me. And the devil says, objection, your honor. I want to see the proof. And the Lord Jesus pulls off his robe and he shows the scars and he puts the nail prints out. And Father God takes the gate gavel and he goes, innocent, based on the blood of Jesus. And that innocent for your life and my life, it not only washes my sin, it takes all my shame and my guilt. It takes that dead end that I've been living in day by day by day. The blood of Jesus has satisfied every charge the devil has used against you. The blood of Jesus is the only stain stick to sin, there is. Just a dollar bill. Fairly crisp. Not any marks on it, not any scars on it. This bill's worth one dollar. That's what it's worth. But this bill can resemble my life too. And sometimes because I've made bad choices. I start getting wadded up. And I start allowing shame to define me. And I start allowing guilt to define me. And I feel like at times that life has just stepped on me. I feel like life has just spit all over me. There's good DNA in that, I promise. But when I unravel this through the blood of Jesus... No matter the wrinkles, no matter the scars, no matter the shame, no matter the guilt, 
still worth a dollar. Can I interpret that for you? You're still worth everything that Jesus died for you to be. You weren't bought with corruptible seed. You were bought with the incorruptible blood of Jesus. And so I believe that the Lord wants us to set us free. That my life, I don't have to go through life and look over this shoulder and see if shame still follow me. And I don't have to look over this shoulder and see if guilt still follow me. See, the devil will try to make you a travel agent and put you on a guilt trip. He'll ride you like a dirty old hound day after day after day. But something happens not only when I confess my sin, but I allow the Lord Jesus to put a new, heart, a new tattoo on my heart. You know what it says? Overcomer. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Would you stand on your feet here with me today? See, it becomes very difficult for human beings to receive from God when their life's been dominated by shame and guilt. I could live with a lot of shame and guilt, but I refuse to when I find out what the blood of Jesus has done. And I'm just like many of you all the years in my life, I lettered in sin. But when I start seeing the, the scriptures, that Jesus not only wants to forgive me, he wants to cleanse me. And so you know what his cleansing is? He's going to take you through the car wash of sanctification. Picture this with me, okay? You're entering the car wash, and the little guy's standing right there, and he's going. And we pull forward. And, and he says, just put it in neutral. Just put it in Jesus. Just put it in Jesus. And we start going, and all of a sudden, there starts some scrubbing on us. And we go a little farther, and they blast us, and we go a little farther, and they do a little scrubbing. And before long, they begin to wash your windshields, your eyes, and they go under the mud flaps. And many of you got a lot of mud under the carriage, and they blast it up. And then you get down here, and Jesus says, I even want to do your rims. I want to bless you. I want every part of your life to come through here. I just preached myself happy. <laughs> I'm going to come down to the altar and I'm going to say, Jesus, shine my, my rims today. Take care of me. Make me sparkle again. Listen, I believe Jesus wants us to get rid of that, that backpack of shame and guilt.
He said, neither do I condemn you. So let's come to the altar today. Let's respond to him. Let's let Jesus wash us of our sins. And before we even start today, if you feel comfortable, raise your hands with me. But we're going to exercise our faith in the Bible here. I'm going to lead you through 1 John 1, 9. Be a participant. Don't be a spectator. Father God, you said if we would confess our sin, that you're faithful and just to cleanse us. And so, Father God, right now, this is you. Confess your sin, Father God. We repent. I repent of the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh. I repent, Father God, of arrogance, of anything I've done to dishonor you. Father God, we ask that you would cleanse us, that you would cleanse us. I welcome you to come down here. I, I believe with all my heart there is an anointing down here that if your life has been marked by double, double the shame, woo, there's going to be a great transfer today. He's going to bless. Come on, come on, come on to the altar. Once. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.